Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney and I just want to welcome you to episode 194 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So today, I have an interview for you guys. Usually on Thursdays, pretty much always on Thursdays anymore, we are doing solo episodes. Well today, I kind of um, you know, have a, a good amount of interviews that I kind of have in storage. And I planned on doing this anyway. I planned on um, figuring out a way to release some more of these interviews, uh, but I didn't really plan on sacrificing solo episode days. But today, just a unique situation, I took a little bump on the head uh, at the last tournament I did in the semifinals. And I wasn't able to compete after, actually, I did compete through the match. I was able to win the match, um, but uh, I wasn't able to compete anymore after that. And so just dealing with a little bit of the symptoms, and I just didn't think it would be smart to, especially before teaching class tonight and and one of the first classes I will have taught, um, to like really dig in and be like, okay, I'm going to do an hour and a half episode talking about jujitsu stuff. Uh, The focus muscle is a little bit exhausted i guess you would say with uh with the head injury but i'm all good it'll be healthy soon we'll be back next thursday with a solo episode i'm sure um but for right now i actually have a really really cool one for you guys um this is one of my newest black belts uh you guys just heard from justin kitchler on tuesday um who got promoted the same night as rob um rob is one of my i always call him bionic rob his name's rob hanshai uh but he is one of my black belts one of my newest black belts and he is um man it's just hard to explain he's just a gym he's one of those guys that always has a new detail always has something dude you got to check this out just has this passion for grappling for martial arts which is interesting he's been training longer than i have and he just has this huge passion and um just fun he he has i have so many little moves so many little tricks in my jujitsu that were added into my game by bionic rob by coach rob he always will ask me he'll always show me something new he always is good at selling it too he'll always hit me with the josh i have the brand new super firepower technique how have you not known this sometimes it'll be he's just showing me a head and arm defense and he's like so josh i'm sure you're you're sad you're upset I'm like rob why am i sad and upset he's like because you heard that your precious head and arm choke doesn't work anymore and he's got a new defense that he was working on and he shows me it and i'm like oh yeah this is great i'm gonna add this right away the head and arm choke doesn't work anymore and so uh that is um that's kind of like my relationship with rob even though i am his coach he's always adding new stuff for me um always kind of you know collaborating with me and uh, i really think that this episode is that uh it's just rob and i kind of talking through his story i always I, i never really tell you guys this but i don't like to give guests a lot of stuff to prepare with I like to keep them on their toes, and especially with an episode like this, because we're just going to be talking through his story, I wanted to keep it fresh. And so while while you guys are hearing about Rob's journey, I am too, because Rob didn't start jujitsu under me. Uh, He was a transplant, and he came in, and we talk about that, uh, talk about his kind of what they were training at the old place to what he is seeing now in the difference in perspective and where that has put him as a grappler and so um without further ado oh also last shout out rob is also one of the few guys 
to have listened to every single episode of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show, to have started from the beginning and went all the way through. And then I would guess probably the first person who's ever listened to every episode and then came on the show. And so um, that is my little introduction for you guys to Coach Rob. Let's get him on. All right. Rob, how are you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Josh. It's been a, a long time. Last time we did this was in my driveway during quarantine. <laughs> it was. It yeah. was. You got a, quite an amazing studio here. It's really cool. Yeah, man. A little, it's a little different than the uh, than the lawn chairs in the driveway. It is right? a little bit different. You've got uh, producer Bryce in the house here today. You've even got his t-shirt on. I decided to go with, you know, I decided to turn over a new leaf. Okay. Uh, I've been... A little anti Bryce lately, and it's it's mainly my wife has kind of said, "Hey, you're being too mean to Bryce. You need to cool it down." Okay. And so I thought a really good anytime I'm trying to like all couples have these things, sure. you know. Anytime that my wife's mad at me and I go buy her chocolates or something like that, it's like Bryce is mad at me, and I wear my Bryce Allen is my favorite student okay. shirt, and he gets a few Instagram follows off of it, and he's. You know, he's vain. He's cool with it. He's, he's the Baba Booey of uh, the Isaac and Jiu-Jitsu show. <laughs> that's, huh? that's exactly what he is. have to is. make sure our modulation is proper here, right? <laughs> that is right. Uh, you know, with, with that being said, I thought a fun place to actually start this interview would be this. You and I... Um, we're kind of gonna. I kind of want to look at your story a little bit uh, and kind of talk in some detail and ask you some questions I never sure. have. Um, but I don't want to start there. I want to start more uh, where we are at now because recently uh, you just got your black belt under a guy who's questionable. Sure. You know, a team that's questionable. I haven't gotten an opportunity to. Uh, I'm actually hoping that today will put me up there on the. The belt checker program, right? Yep. Maybe that'll uh, get my credentials up. I don't think I'm on the belt checker <laughs> oh, no. program, Rob, so I think okay. you might be in a little now, bit I'll, of trouble. I'll vouch for you that yeah. we can start today. Uh, but with that, you kind of had, you know, and there are certain transitions that we're going to talk about in your life, but I just want to first, uh, before we dig into the really good stuff, talk about um, just kind of you know, because of where you moved, because of distance, just made more sense to start training at my gym. And I know that uh, Head Not HQ is very different in the way things are taught, and you've gotten to train for such a long time in the art. And so I just thought a fun place to start would be if you would highlight for me just a few things that you have noticed are different about the gym or the school. Sure. Uh, first off, I came up under a very traditional school, uh, Hoyler Gracie Gym. Uh, amazing people there, learned a ton. Great friends, great memories. I'm still in contact with a lot of them today. The main difference is, I think, the approach that was a very systematic approach as far as uh, very technique-oriented, where you have more of a, um, a flow orientation, where you're going to kind of see where the class takes you more conceptually, where we were very technique oriented. We're gonna knock out the, uh, the moves, a certain number, switch, add on, keep going. And the sparring was, uh, well, I went to day class. If anybody ever gets the opportunity to train at the day class for an extended period of time, that's the best thing to do. You get to do everything at night that you normally would 
like to do relax. You have the whole rest of the day to recuperate after the hard training, so it makes it for a, a much easier go at the, at the training. <laughs> I to- I totally agree with that. I I at our gym, I do. I can like to train in the daytime. Sure. You know, it's just much easier on your body. You do get so much more time to kind of rest and recover. So you said there's more of a flow. Yeah, what does uh, that mean? Very, um, very loose. You know, you let people kind of experiment with the move. You're not going to be like, hey, listen, you're going to have your right foot here, and that's how it is. You're going to be like, hey, you know what? If you feel comfortable with it over there or, or not at all, you know, let's see where this goes. And uh, that's pretty, pretty cool. It's kind of different. Bryce, is this guy calling me a hippie? Oh, yeah, dude. Got the hair for it, I guess, right? <laughs> yes. <Long hair. laughs> um, so let's just kind of take a little step back then, and let's look at the beginning of jujitsu for you. Uh, I don't think, think this is something I've ever asked you, and this is kind of crazy that I've never asked you this, considering how long you've trained with me and the fact that I recently promoted you to black belt. Sure. Uh, what made you start jujitsu? All right, so I started my martial arts journey. Um, well, everybody did as a kid, right? I came up on all the Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee movies were on, Ralph Macchio, all the all the legends of the eighties were, were all coming up, legends, right? So everybody man. loved it. Everybody so wanted did, to be a ninja. So then. you were throwing in there. You were going Chuck Norris, Ralph Macchio. Oh, there. absolutely. When I was, but you know what? At the time, small Midwest towns, there just wasn't uh, programs available for for kids. But you know, fast forward. I went through a hard time in my life. A significant relationship had uh, ended, and all of a sudden, I found myself with a lot of free time. A good friend of mine at the gym that I went to told me, "Like, hey, there's this martial arts club. You should come check it out. It's called Hybrid Movements. It's at my university, SAUE. So I went down, checked it out, a bunch of different classes. And what it was was all the different kids that came from all over the state or you know all over the country that participated in some type of martial art. They kind of got together and they would take turns like teaching classes. Like there'd be a guy that taught kung fu, there'd be a guy that taught capoeira, a guy that taught ninjutsu. Was kind of like the the leader of this particular club. And then there was also a taekwondo club. So the hybrid movements club was real loose. You know, they just kind of got together, did some stuff, um, and went out to eat at the end of it. But the it sounds like my type of yeah, training. Yeah, it was pretty Rob. cool. Uh, yeah, the, the taekwondo club was very regimented. They met three times a week. Worked out hard and it was very structured, which believe it or not, I gravitated towards that. So I got started training taekwondo. Loved it, lived it. Um, you know, all day. That's all I thought about was was the training. One of the guys. This is also about the same time the Ultimate Fighter comes on. Was that like 2004, 2000, 2005? Took a fight. Didn't cut <laughs> weight. Didn't do anything. He got the doors beat off of him. Of, it of was course, bad. Of course. So then we started realizing, like, you know, we are missing out on the majority of what's going on here in the UFC. We had no ground game. So we started exploring a little bit about that. One of the guys from the hybrid movements section came from this ninjutsu, kempo, the name is going to be, uh, we can use a derogatory name just to make light of the, uh, for the podcast. Yeah. You know? But he had a little bit of a, uh, I guess you could call it like Japanese style jujitsu. So he knew the arm bar, the triangle, and like a cross collar choke. Okay. So of course, he would destroy us with all of that stuff. So he would show us some some stuff, and I just immediately couldn't get enough. Yeah. First of all, just what a cool time. What year would that have been? 2005, 2006, maybe. Dude, somewhere. 2005, 2006, you could literally know those four techniques 
and dominate people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it's just unbelievable. One, it's just unbelievable to see where grappling has gone now. Sure. But back then, that was what a fun time that like it really was. And I think that this could be a reason that so many uh, coaches are so still technique focused. It was so hard to find good techniques. It was so hard to find stuff that you didn't know was you know, was good or was bad. And most of us were dealing with things like we had a ninjutsu instructor that also taught this and also taught that. And then he knew some Japanese jujitsu or he knew a few submissions or he did a seminar with the Gracies. And it was like, please be our coach. Will you be our, will you be our grappling coach from here on out? And it was just amazing um, during that time. But just, I guess that was just me painting a little more of a picture. Sure, um, exactly what was going on. But as you go there, and you're starting to get that little taste of, wow, I'm starting to do some some grappling. I like this. This is effective. Where are you kind of where are you kind of aiming after that? So, um, started looking, searching out where can I learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because this is what I've got to find. There was uh, Rodrigo had a place out in Fenton, which is a little bit too far out of the way for me to go. Brian Gidry had recently opened up a gym downtown. One of the guys that was training with me started going down there, but he seemed to be more MMA-focused. Um, they had all the classes, right, gi, no gi, but it seemed like it was mostly guys that were training MMA that were there. And it turns out that right down the street from where I work, JW, right, who's been on your podcast before, has a school that he just um, moved locations to, and they have day classes. All right. So here comes my lunch break. It, was he a black belt at the time? No, he was a brown belt, and he was still working another job at the time. He wasn't full-time. What was he doing? Uh, I want to say he was in construction. Okay. Uh, yeah, like a construction group that he was um, working with, development. Okay. So uh, so you start training there, and what is that? What's kind of your... What are your initial thoughts? You know, that was a that was a pretty in the Midwest. It was one of the main competitive schools, most competitive schools at the time, uh, I think. And uh, you know, what were kind of what was your role in it? What were you doing? Sure, I was the um, the little white belt that got destroyed for years. <laughs> is what I what I was. Uh, my first day there, I, I will never forget. JW was actually teaching. It was kind of rare that he was off work that day teaching uh, back escapes, and one of his new purple belts. Gave me the Tomonagi that sent me onto the other <laughs> side of, of the room. And, uh, yeah, it was, there was probably about I don't know, maybe a dozen blue belts at the time, maybe two purple belts. JW was a brown belt. And then, um, you know, probably 50 or 60 white belts that would train under him. Um, I went to day class. There would be about, when we started out, there would be like maybe four or five. Maybe some days there would be, you know, 10. But you know, by the time we ended up, there would be like, 30, 40 people in the day class would be, you know, at least a half a dozen black belts that would be be in there on any given day. So that's awesome. Pretty cool to see it grow like that while I was training there. That's really cool. That's really because you were training there, right? Yeah. And <laughs> being that, you know, he was uh, open to having other people come in teaching seminars. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of visitors too. So we got a chance to meet some really cool people coming in, just like travels or even like big names in the sport that would just happen to be coming through Missouri and stop by for either teach a seminar or um, take a class or just roll with us. I think, um, I think 
it, it's tough to say, but I think that's how I kind of met Jay and the the whole Humida group was going to seminars over there, or I think I went to an in-house tournament there before, and they just always were cool with us. We were kind of far away, but we were close to the sure. affiliation a little bit, and they were always really cool with us us coming in and uh, and training with them, and that I met that whole crew because of that. Oh, yeah. Everyone has always been very open. That's one thing that um, kind of a pet peeve of mine with jiu-jitsu. You see a lot of, like, gym wars or turf wars. You know, everybody, like, you got to... Take a step back. Everybody doing the same thing, working really hard. You have more in common with the person than you probably have hatred for. So you have to enjoy the camaraderie when you can, and you know, hopefully you can keep that open door policy where people feel comfortable to come train with you and extend the offer when you get to go train with them. Rob, I'm always telling our hooligans here, and they're, you know, they never listen. But I'm always telling them, hey, you know, you hate these guys. We are those guys. Like, look at that, you know, look at that group. Pay attention to what they're doing. We do the same stuff. You're mad about the same stuff that we do. Or you, you know what I mean? Like, maybe they just do things slightly differently than us. You know, we're all doing jujitsu, you know? And so, yeah, I totally agree with that. Let me ask you this off topic. What kind of iced coffee did i just drink there because oh, this, this is starbucks vanilla that was uh store-bought came in like a 64 ounce made sure we took care of producer bryce and then uh, gave you the, the remainder <laughs> gave me the remainder man i um i've been on the quest to middle as i seem to always be and so that's the first uh anything good that i've had in a while now and man that was a that was a good first sip okay, of coffee. Great. I think Bryce is going to need to cut it and, and like do a slow-mo of me taking that first drink of that iced coffee. That's pretty darn good. But maybe that will be for all your guests coming forward. They can bring you a, a nice iced coffee. Then. <laughs> <laughs> they could. So um, kind of, you know, you get to, I kind of referenced it earlier, you get to a point in your journey where you need to... Um, kind of because of distance you need to transition gyms and so you're like having to scrape the bottom of the barrel and go to head not hq <laughs> um what was kind of just that those early stages being like just going because anytime you change gyms like anyone who does it no one goes oh this is like how they did it at my old place it's like oh no this feels so different because i've you know, for you, you had trained for, what, eight years at the time? Actually, it was probably closer to 12. 12 years maybe. at the time? Yeah. And so you trained for a very long time in a specific way with a specific group. And you also did judo in different places and did other things in different places. You've always been that type of, of grappler. It's always looking outside, too. Um, but still, there is going to be a contrast between those two gyms and just how you had, had been. What were your kind of initial thoughts? Sure. So, yeah, it was... Um, I lost my job in 2019, and I worked in St. Peter's, St. Charles, Missouri, and I live in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Ended up getting a job in Springfield, Illinois, which is on the other side of the world compared to... It really Illinois. is. Yeah. And there is a gym there. Actually, there's a couple gyms in Springfield, Illinois, but um, just I couldn't get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, drive to work, work all day, stay there until whatever, that would be 8.39, and then drive home to do it over again. It just wasn't working out. So um, I trained at your guys' gym before, the old one, the blue mm -hmm. room, 
And I always enjoyed the way that you and your dad taught together. It was kind of like a dynamic duo. You know, your dad would teach like the classical stuff and then you would come through with the, the flashy, you know, you know competitive <laughs> style. And there's a lot of times where I'd go back to my gym. I'm like, man, I saw like this way and this way. And at that time I was in good enough shape that I could kind of choose the path. You know, like I could do a lot of the, you know, fancy stuff then. I don't know which way to which way to go here. So I actually had to get a lot of help and took a lot of private lessons to kind of digest the lessons that I got at as a visitor at your at your old gym mm-hmm. over there. So. And so then you start training, and kind of it was is kind of like at the the transition at start of of COVID and lockdowns. Actually, I should step back. So um, once I started working in Springfield, I had my weekends off. I didn't have to work. And I, at that time, I knew my life was not right without jujitsu. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of people probably could felt that, especially like during the lockdown times. So that's when I made the decision. You know, I, it wasn't really going to be feasible for me to, with the young family, to drive out to my old gym and, you know, what was I going to get like one once a week or something like that? It just wasn't going to. I wasn't going to improve, and it was going to be a lot of effort, and I didn't feel like at the end of the day I was going to be um, using my time most wisely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you guys are ten. We're at the time we're like ten minutes away from where I live. You had convenient classes on the weekends, open mat. That was um, it's even gotten better now, but it was a real competitive open mat. So it was uh, an easy transition for me to just determine, like, you know what, I have only so many hours in the day. Jiu-jitsu is better in my life than it is without, my life is without jiu-jitsu. You know, I have to, even though everyone hates that, you know, hopefully no one thinks that I was a creantier to like, to lead the team. It was not under, it was under unideal circumstances, I guess you could say, but um, it's ended up working out because I think I was able to set things aside and just use the jiu-jitsu and the camaraderie that you get with any gym to my advantage take advantage of that yeah man for sure and i think that that is um yeah i think that that's something that people people may have different opinions about or different thoughts about but uh just somebody staying in jujitsu is is beautiful you know your job makes you have to change place change gyms or, or something like that but just you're gonna have to deal with those same i don't know anybody this isn't my group of friends' thoughts and problems that all new people have to deal sure. with, that brand new white belts have to deal with. And then you're dealing with them when you already have some jujitsu and you already you know, are pretty good at jujitsu too. And so then you have that extra adage of people are going to come after me now because I'm the new guy, but I'm a higher belt. And there is just a lot of... Uh, it's just a lot of, of, of pressure in that whole situation. Sure, and you didn't even do stripes at the time, so I'm like, man, this guy is just destroying me. What's going on? I can't figure it out. And like, I would go home banging my head, like, I just, I just don't know what has happened to me. I thought I was decent. And then, like, a month later, you have, like, a little belt promotion seminar. <laughs> you give them their next belt. Uh-huh. Oh, this explains it. There's no stripes. That's why you There's guys are gonna... <laughs> That's always a funny thing when people come from other gyms that they eventually realize. is like, oh, they don't do stripes here. That makes sense. I thought Josh just hated me. You know, I just, like, I thought that he had no intention of ever promoting sure. me. I guess at the time you had maybe recently stopped. So there'd be some guys that would have a couple on, some that didn't. Maybe they came 
visiting from other places, and they would have a stripe or two. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow, this guy doesn't have any, and he's just yeah, coming after me. And I can't figure this out. And that is kind of um, before we start to talk about uh, just some of the other things I want to kind of focus this podcast on. Um, just that transition of you know you're going to a place that is not traditional. It's not tied to any Gracie's name. They don't do stripes. You know, there are so many things that, you know, are just going to be different about the sure. school. How were some, how did you handle that? How did you transition? Was it just one of those things that you were like, okay, now I'm here? Uh, it took me a while to transition. Um, I think this area is kind of like a, you know, it's just a tough demographic, you know, um, hardworking people, you know, just grit you know this area's got a high reputation for wrestling and i think a lot of the guys came up underneath a wrestling pedigree as well and most of them were quite a bit younger than me as well i was used to training like i said at lunch with there'd be your transient vagabond jiu-jitsu guys that that's all they did or they'd uh maybe they were aspiring mma fighters or something like that they they did their lunch class but it was a lot most of the time it was you know, some of my good friends, you know, they're bankers, attorneys, doctors, graphic artists. Uh, so it was a little bit different of a crowd. And I guess that might be just part of the lunch group, too. You know, people coming in from there. They have to be able to, uh, you know, afford to take jiu-jitsu classes. And at the time, that was a big jump compared to what most people were doing for fitness as far as expense goes. And then also be able to get out of work for an hour to two every day to go train. So at this point in the in the the bionic Rob story, you're a brown belt and um you start to develop some hip problems. Some what what is kind of your for me, the scientific term that I use is oh like Rob started coming into the gym with a limp. Like he's out sure. here. What what are kinda I'd always had um just like weird aches and pains in my hips. I know just you know I was also running and lifting weights and swimming and doing all kinds of other stuff too. So I just, you know, overdid it that day or, you know, got tweaked or whatever. So I just, you know, rest and everything would be coming back, feeling better, you know, after a couple of days to take a rest. Uh, ibuprofen was working for me at the time, icing it down. It probably was later in Purple Belt where it really just started nagging me all the time. And then uh, it just got severely worse over the last couple of years. Saw sports med doc. MD, not um, just like a proclaimed sports med person. So I sought out a professional, and you know she took the X-rays, gave me the uh, the exam, and diagnosed me with uh, tendonitis, and gave me the script for the physical therapy, and then never improved. It just seemed to get worse. So I went back and uh, got the injections for steroids, and that's about the time the COVID hit. And then it started like you know, do I really want to? Before everybody knew you may or may not die from COVID, but at the time everybody was going to die from yeah. COVID. So I'm like, do I really want to die going to physical therapy because you know the therapist was sick uh-huh. and uh, no one was giving me any information on where he was when he was coming back? And so, so I kind of ducked out after a while. The physical therapy wasn't wasn't working anyways, mm-hmm. and I'm like you know I'm not going to get sick for something useless. Yeah. So uh, fast forward another year. Um, Living like that, gym's open, everybody's training again. 
limp is getting worse. I haven't. Um, everybody's always, you know, I mean, you got to do something, got to do something. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I'm already seeing the doctor. You know, she told me it's just uh, an injury. I got to recover. So I set myself up with a, a program. I'm going to stretch out for a month. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the uh, yoga for BJJ hip openers. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't get better after a month, I'm going to go back to the doctor. So every day, I did, your dad helped me stay mm-hmm. accountable for this. So I really appreciate him uh, staying on me to, to get it. So no luck. Back to physical therapy, I go see another doctor, and he's like, your hips are pretty bad. Yeah. You know, we, gotta, uh, we think we can help but, um, with the physical therapy, but uh, this is not looking good. So um, I did about another six weeks, twice a week course of that, um, got the MRI, and then they sent me out to one of the top guys in uh, St. Louis, the hips. That's when he told me that, you know, you're going to need a hip replacement. And I was like, what? You know, I'm, what was I, 45, 46 at the time. I'm like, this is not what you do now. And I'm like, what does this mean for, for me? He's like, oh, people come back, they do a lot of stuff, you know, you'll probably recover pretty well. I don't do those surgeries, but my partner does. I'm going to refer you to him. So it's not easy to get into orthopedic surgeon at the time either because COVID is still going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're cautious about who they're bringing in. And, and they're backed up. And from, they're backed yeah. up too. Yeah, like you almost have to know somebody to get an appointment to get in to see, see a doc. So uh, it was probably another two months before I got in to see him. Um, and... That's when he's like, yeah, we need to get you scheduled in. You need, you need to get new hips. So that was, uh, was difficult for me because there's two different approaches to do the hip surgery. You can go in through the front or in through the back. Most docs do it from the back because it's a little easier for them. It's a little bit more technical of a surgery to do it from the front, but they don't have to cut um, muscles and ligaments. They just kind of open you up, stretch it out of the way, and then start hacking away to put the new one in. So the first doc I see, he tells me, you know what, I don't do it that way. It's all marketing. Um, <laughs> I do it this traditional way. And, I'm, and he also tells me that I'll get back to uh, the sport as long as it's golf and walks on the beach. I'm like, Man, I'm 46 years old. What am I? I'm not at the place where I'm going to do that. I want to get back and, you know, do jujitsu and be active. And nah, it's not going to happen. And he even quoted at the time, uh, I think it was Ben Astrin fought a uh, boxing match, and he said, yeah, I told all my buddies, like, there's no way a guy with a, fresh off of hip surgery is going to be able to win uh, a boxing match. You're like, dude, Ben Astrin couldn't box, too. Come on. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'm devastated at the time. I'm like, you know what, my world is about to be over here. I had made it this far, and it's not even going to be my choice to quit. It's going to be chosen for me. Um, so this is kind of cool I uh, go home and I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast that he had with uh, Keenan from Tool uh-huh. he had had his hip replaced so I listened to it again and then he's, you know, he's still training jiu-jitsu I'm like oh man this is, is kind of cool um, you know, I wonder who else has got this you know, surely it can't be just a one or two person phenomenon so our good buddy everybody's great uncle Stefan Kessling has a video about the same time he had just had his hip replaced. He was getting ready to go in for surgery, and he documented kind of like the whole thing. Due to the power of uh, Instagram, social media, I was actually able to reach out to him. He's able to give me some, some tips and pointers along the way, and also able to um, 
put me at ease a little bit. And during the same time, uh, a guy that I've become friends with on the social media as well, Matt Parks, who's out in California, uh, gave me some tips. He, had, he was already black belt when he had to have his replaced, but he gave me some tips on things that he went through, um, how he decided on doctors and you know, the rehab, and you know, really spent a lot of time talking with me about this. And he advised me, he's like, you got to get a second opinion. You know, you're going to, you're going to have to wait to get the surgery anyways. You might as well see other people. So, um, fortunately I took that advice and I did, I saw a surgeon that did both types of surgery. And I'm like, which one am I best suited for? Is this all marketing? Like the first doctor says, is this, um, a viable option for me? Like, why would I choose one over the other? So I went, he gave me an awesome exam, explained everything to me, um, Certain people are going to be a candidate um, for the surgery that goes through the back. Maybe they're overweight. Um, they have uh, some type of genetic um, dysfunction in their hip to where they can't go in through the front. And he's like, yeah, it's not all marketing. I've been doing this for years. I went to school for this. I'm, you, know, you want to have a doctor that has a high assurance of himself as well. Yeah. Because... You want to be confident that you're with the right person. Of course. So you don't buy the surgery, which is what I came to find out after the fact. You buy the surgeon. If you're comfortable with them, then, you know, if I would have went with the first doctor and I was like, hey, I'm trying to get back to jiu-jitsu, he'd probably would say, I told you, walks on the beach and yeah. golf. Where my surgeon now, I'm like, hey, I'm trying to get back. He would help me get there. Mm -hmm. Your surgeon now knew who he was dealing with. I think so. Maybe. Hey guys, Josh McKinney here. Just wanted to interrupt this interview really quickly and tell you guys about something really exciting that we have going on at simplifyingjujitsu.com. Right now, every single thing in the entire store, every course that we have ever made on Simplifying Jiu-Jitsu is 50% off. And so that is for the entire month of May. It is only 50% off if you use the promo code NEWSTUDIO. You guys can probably tell right now I'm sitting at a little bit different of an angle than you guys usually see me at because we are still working on the studio. It isn't finished, but we're going to celebrate the fact that it is almost finished by running this deal. 50% off everything. Don't forget mastering the duck guard, all the other crap that I've ever made. Kyle Watson, simplifying takedowns for jujitsu, Steve McKinney, train until 60 and beyond, and so much more, all available for 50% off for the entire month of May with the promo code NEWSTUDIO. Check it out at simplifyingjujitsu.com. I'll make sure to link in the description so you can just click and go on and purchase whatever you want for half price. And so um, just just for a little more context, uh, as you kind of going into um, the first surgery, spoiler alert, the first surgery, sure. what is uh, wh what are kind of your thoughts? Are you where is your confidence level that because you are still a brown belt, where is your confidence level that you are going to be a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu one day? So I didn't have that. And it's kind of. Uh, cool that today we were doing the interview on the last day. This time last year was the last day I trained before my first surgery. Was it really? It was. I remember the day. I remember talking to you. I remember, yeah. full disclosure, I remember going like, 
I I just hope that Rob gets to come back. I, from yeah, this. I didn't know what was going to come of it. And mm-hmm. I think that was probably um, an overreaction, but at the same time, it was a legitimate concern. I don't know how much of an overreaction. They were cutting your hip out yeah. and replacing it with a titanium sure, hip. Yeah, you don't want to watch. Uh, if you're a queasy stomach, you don't want to watch what goes on, what they have to do. Yeah, that is. Fortunately, they knock you out pretty well when they do that. So you don't feel a thing until much later. So the surgery happens. When are you able to step back on the mat again? Um, I was off. The first one was worse than the second hip. Um, I was just, I needed to get used to it. I already knew what to expect. It was a week pretty much just at home, bed, couch, you know, walk up around a little bit of the house to get something to eat or to do the exercises. Um, I came to watch training, so I drove after a week. That was the first thing I did to drive myself anywhere was to come to the gym to watch <laughs> training. It was probably about another three weeks of watching training before um, you'd said something on the podcast, you know, like, you know, adopt the white belt, get out there and, you know, make something happen for, for your gym. And I was like, you know, what am I doing sitting on the sidelines? These guys are doing horrible jujitsu out here. I'm watching it every day in class. I got there's something I can give. I don't know what yet. I don't know what I can do yet, but I'm coming back. So I think that next Saturday I was geared up. I was out on the mat, and um, fortunately we have. And, uh, and I'm yelling at you oh, for, yeah, for contact. Yeah. For people who are like, oh, I can't believe Josh is encouraging Rob to be geared up and out yeah, there. I'm like, probably, Rob, people could just fall into you know, or something yeah, was, you need uh, to he's like i'll be fine josh they'll avoid me that's uh yeah that, that's really the main concern was that like if they could get dislocated because the bone hasn't healed around mm-hmm. the implant yet but uh yeah, great training partners you know they work with me too you know let me let me do what i could do and that's like one of the best pieces of advice you can get when you're injured no matter how severe there's always something you can do whether it's studying tape um, if you don't trust yourself that you're not going to injure yourself further then you know, maybe you need to work on that first, but there's always something you can do. So for, let's say after a month, I'm back on the mat, I was working leg drags and getting comfortable with the grips for passing to the right and feeling great, comfortable with that, picking up like little details that I wouldn't have gotten if I was at home sitting, being depressed. Then we had the team day, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe like six weeks after my surgery. That was the first time I got into the floor because we took a team picture. So, I so team day would have been when I promoted Logan, right? Yeah. So you didn't, you don't know this. This was part of, this is part of the whole, the, 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 this story I thought I would bring up on the podcast. I actually had on my list and had your black belt and I was going to promote you and me and my dad talked about it and it was like, yeah, he deserves it. And I go, but I just, I don't want to give it to him until he's until he's through his surgeries, until he, I go, I just, I know that this is significant for him. I want him to do those things first. And that was, we actually planned on promoting you that day. And like, you know, (laughs) this is a weird thing to bring up, but yeah, like three days before I was like, it just, it doesn't feel right. I want to do it when he's back. You know, I want him to come back and I want to do it when he's back. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Cause I would always in the back of my mind be like, is it just the, uh, Dissipation black belt here, or is that what, I, what I'm getting here? And uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back. Um, not 100 percent yet, but you know who is always 100 percent, right? As, exactly, <laughs> so. especially at head nod. 
Exactly. You know? <laughs> uh, so then you, and you pretty much immediately know that you're going to have a second surgery too, yeah, right? Yeah, it was already gonna on do the, the other hip. It was on, yeah. And when I had the first one done, it was already like, okay, you know, we're going to heal up this one six, um, was it three months and we're going to come back and we're going to didn't, the didn't they tell you longer at first? Um, I think it was always about three months between surgeries. You sure? I think that's right. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll buy it. If your surgeon listens to this, he might be yeah. like on the podcast going, no, Rob, I said six months and then oh, they, no, no, yeah, it was three. Okay. Okay. Bryce is smiling over there. He thinks it was, he six, months it was six months too. Months too. But yeah. anyway, three months later. You get the second surgery. Second surgery. But I'm a veteran at that time. I'm used to it. You're a pro. You're not even worried about it at that point. I was doing pretty good. I was actually kind of disappointed that I, well, I was a little bit disappointed at the time about having to have the second one so close because I was coming back to jujitsu pretty well at that time. And then it's like, okay, here we go, stepping back again. But also excited to get it over with because I saw you know the outcome of the first surgery going well and knew that things were going to be better after mm-hmm. the second one. Yeah, by three months, I remember that we were all kind of like, "Oh, go get that second surgery, Rob. Yeah. You know, hurry up, go get that done, so then you can be back." Uh, because yo, know, it just seemed like you really did have a handle on it to after those, especially after those initial six weeks. You know, it really seemed like uh, you know you had you had a good Good handle on it at yeah, that point. I told my surgeon he must have just needed practice, and that's why he did a better job <laughs> on the second one. So as you uh, as you start to transition back the second time, what are kind of how is that transition back? Um, what are you kind of you know when are you able to kind of do what? Is there any timeline that you remember? Sure. So after a couple of days, I was already weeks ahead of where I was with the first one. I was able to get up and down off of the ground really easy. I um, had been doing physical therapy, um, not with a group, but the doctor gives you a sheet. You know, these are the mm-hmm. things that I want you to do. I had been doing that already with the first side. So I felt pretty comfortable already doing all those and um, was able to keep track of the progress, you know, because I knew what was happening with the other side and just came back really quick. And, then, and so then you're able... At what point are you able to to start doing some, I wouldn't even call it live, but just like starting to be live jujitsu? Sure. So after probably about the second one, after about probably four or five weeks, I was able to get up and down off the ground. And I just would grab whoever was not training mm-hmm. and either have them smother Which me. Which was usually me and you. Yeah, smother me on bottom side control or let me be on top or show me what you're working on. Uh-huh. So I was just being very narrow focused at the time with my jujitsu, but still getting um, solid. I mean, you need to get everybody on top of you in side control, and you're not going to be able to move a lot because you just had surgery. <laughs> you're going to get the full force of what pohada side control. Oh is yeah. Like. So you build up some resilience during this time. Uh huh. And you also learn a lot. So I think my bottom side and top side got amazing during of that course. time. Of course. And I wasn't, um, you know, able to transition and do some of like the crazy scrambles at that time. So I was just focused strictly, what do you do in these circumstances? Learn where to put your hands, where not to put them, you know, how to hold side control better. 
So now we're to the point you're starting to teach more at Head Nod. You're starting to kind of do that coaching role even more. But you're also about to, how long have you been training jujitsu at this point? Uh, so I think my first official class was 2006, so about like 16, 17 years. So 16, 17 years, and you finally receive your black belt. We have a big promotion oh, night at the gym. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You finally get your black belt. How did that feel after the surgeries, after just the long time of training, after having to transition gyms, after just all of the different setbacks, the obviously not even close to the end of the journey, but it really is a, a, a golden ticket on the journey that says, oh yeah, I, I really... I accomplished something. I really made it somewhere. What are kind of your thoughts? Well, you know, coming up, it was a, like almost a year before I even trained with the black belt. There was a guy that came in from the East Coast. And at that time, I'd never shared a mat with the black belt, never had a lesson from a black belt. It was, they were the unicorns. Uh-huh. You know, it was like, oh, this guy's coming in, going to have to take advantage of, uh, of this, this seminar. I think it was maybe my first stripe that's why I've been training for a year. Professor says, you know, guys, there's nothing guaranteed in jiu-jitsu. You know, it's difficult. It's not going to be easy for anybody. And I think at the time I just assumed like, oh, you know, you're just going to have to work hard. And, you know, there's no guarantee that you're going to get to the level because, um, you know, he's got high standards. But now coming up, the no guarantee has a different meaning. It really does. You're here today, enjoy it, because you don't know what tomorrow's bringing, and it may not be your choice that you get to be there mm-hmm. or continue. And mm-hmm. fortunately for me, I'm able to come back, and I'm able to continue to train and, uh, in a safe manner, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe others it's, than that. As so safe much, as you could train safe here. Safe as you can train, especially, uh, yeah, at now your old gym. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a different story. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, but here, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah, train in a safe manner with uh, some good training partners do you ever if you ever look around the room at head nod and you look at anyone who's like master two or above even master three or above and you just look at them and you got to think you got to be crazy to be here right oh, absolutely this doesn't make any sense why are you here and they're like i don't know I don't know either. You know, maybe I should, you know what? No, I am supposed to be here. And then they're the ones smashing the adults. You so know? After my first surgery, one of the Saturdays I'm watching class and Brandon, I'm, you know, I'm hurting, I'm swollen. I've got no mobility at all. And I'm seeing guys just going crazy out there. I'm like there's no way my surgeon's ever gonna let me do this again. Yeah. Like, there's no way I am totally done. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, different perspective when you're out there doing it. You know what? I think jujitsu helped my recovery. For one, I wanted to get back to it, mm-hmm. and then two, you know, it's going to hold you accountable in a lot of different ways. You know, you have to take care of yourself to be out there to do it. You have to commit yourself to your training. Jujitsu is one of the only sports that I know of where people will really, especially grown men. They're worried about what they're eating, how much they're sleeping, they're stretching out. You know, very rarely you're going to see. Uh, random 40 something year old guy interested in taking yoga to like improve his sport you don't you don't you don't uh-huh. see that very often 
and man. even you guys, you know, watching your <coughs> diet now for getting ready for your next competition. Like most of the guys you in your age demographic are not doing that. Yeah, that's and very true. It's a healthy thing to be doing, really, mm-hmm. in the big scheme of things. You know, uh, strength, conditioning, flexibility, healthy diet. Like those are all amazing things that everybody should be doing. But jujitsu is a great vehicle for getting people to do it. It really does. It kind of encourages you to be able to, I don't know, to kind of just be able to grow and and to be able to say, hey, these are the other aspects of my life that aren't as good. I need to raise those, whether for the competition aspect or whether just because you start to learn how to learn and learn how to develop skills. I'm sure when you were going through um, the ideas of finding a new surgeon and just like how you're weighing the pros and cons, how you're looking at it. I'm sure jujitsu shaped your perspective oh, and gave you certain skills to be able to say, no, I know that that for, I can be confident knowing that first guy might've not been the right fit for me, you know? And that's something that maybe you might've not been confident on if you don't have that, that brown belt jujitsu confidence at sure. the time. You've mentioned it before. Uh, guys have, uh, Maybe an objective when they first start, like the blue belt that wants to lose weight. If there's anything in your life that needs to be fixed and you're willing to work on it through jujitsu, you can fix it. In my case, um, I'm the developmental program because I'm a very stubborn guy, right? But it was I was totally impatient and way too serious. Mm-hmm. And those are probably some of the top attributes that you should not have in jujitsu because mm-hmm. you're going to get humbled and it's not going to be quick. Yeah, yeah. That's dude. So, and you're, those are great things to tie into your comment with the you know going into the surgery. You know, um, just takes time to get ready for that. It really does, man. I really look at uh, it just that that same idea. Something else we talk about is um, that your mess is your message, and for you, even though during the time you're it's self focused and you're like, I've got to get back, I've got to get this hip surgery done. But the truth is so much of it has to do with, cause you want to be with the team. You want to be sure. a part of the team again, or you want to feel a part of the team, not that you weren't a part of the team when you weren't there. But then as you go through that and you come back and you're a black belt and we'll get into kind of the beginner program and talk a little bit about that and kind of what your role has been at head nod lately. Um, but just as you get to your black belt, someone else is going to have some type of surgery or some type of thing happen that will keep them off the mat and you will have a better avenue to talk to them than maybe even I would because you go, Hey, I went through this dude. You can ask anybody. I had the worst limp that you've ever seen. Josh was yelling at me on every Monday because I shouldn't have been on the mat and I, I just couldn't stay off of it, you know? And you, you know, that, that is going to be a message that's going to, that's going to help so many more future jujitsu athletes, even if we weren't doing a podcast on it, but it'll help so many jujitsu jujitsu hobbyists jujitsu practitioners continue to do jujitsu and continue on their journey sure and you know they say jujitsu is for everybody and it really is maybe not in your competitive um you know you're not going to take the hobbyists and throw them into like the top teams of you know the united states right now for jujitsu that are competing hard your random hobbyist is not going to belong belong there but you can make a group for that person, and they're going to get better. And they're going to have a lot of fun, they're man. A lot of fun, get all the benefits out of it, and it's just a matter of structuring it around a way that is going to work for them. 
Man, I love that. And that's kind of where I wanted to finish. And we'll kind of look at that in just a second. But kind of my transition question here before we move on to what it's been like teaching beginners and that kind of stuff. Most people don't know this, um, but I am definitely sitting in a room with two people that affect the the Isaka Jiu Jitsu show more than anyone else besides myself. Uh, you and Bryce both give me more recommendation of episodes, more recommendation of things I could be doing better on the show, and you guys have since episode one. I really appreciate that, but I thought I would make sure to give you an opportunity. Has there been any bionic Rob ideas that I've stolen throughout I Suck a Jiu-Jitsu show, passed mine off, anything that oh, you deserve credit for? Not, uh, I don't that, know. I've given you plenty of tips on stuff. I mean, you've sure, given me 100 episode ideas. Any any episodes that ended up being really good that you came up with? Or do I just I, suck yeah, on the ones yeah. that you come up with? Man, you just <laughs> I had to say that, right? Cuz I mean <laughs> the uh, you know, it's not there's not a day that goes by that I don't walk into the gym and you don't have something. All right, Josh. So you know how you do this. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. You should do that but with this person. Or you should you should get that oh, going, sorry. right? The the podcast, uh, the recommendations of episodes are ten out of ten from Bionic right. Rob. No one knows, but you're like the uh, what do you call it? Like the ghostwriter of the oh. I Suck a Jiu Jitsu show. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I just kind of wanted to get some of your thoughts, and I know that I'm gonna uh, definitely want to have you on again in the future. And we've talked about that you would be down with that. Sure. And so I'm sure that that will be more of what we focus on for that, that episode. But I want to get some initial thoughts on um, just how has the experience been? You've been kind of, we've started our first real beginners program that we've kept consistently going. And you have been, uh, you and my dad have been splitting the duties and, and running this beginners program. Uh, what have been some initial thoughts that you've had since, because this is one of your first time teaching a consistent program, right? Sure. And, you know, I've been very fortunate coming up that I didn't have to take on any learning on my own. I always had an instructor mm -hmm. um, coming up and some awesome ones too. Um, you've had them on your podcast, you know. So transitioning into teaching, um, has been unique experience because most of the people coming in, the way that they've set this program up here at your gym, is it's not for your traditional young kid that's got a little bit extra money, wants to learn how to do jujitsu, where he's going to just go jump in with the piranhas and see what happens. This is geared more towards the adult, the person that's kind of just easing into it. What's this all about? How can I do this? Um, they're not really looking to go get um, smashed in training. They just want to learn some self-defense mm -hmm. techniques, um, get in shape. So it's been a different perspective in that point of view where you want to make sure that you're giving them not necessarily a sport technique oriented where like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to score points, but we're going to give them, a, if you find yourself in a street situation, I know after you learn this class, you'll be able to apply these moves and move forward, which is really rewarding to, to know that when you see them you get that. It's kind of my pet peeve you see of people like doing all these self-defense uh, seminars and not necessarily that they're jujitsu focused, but like someone that's got like some uh, mushu 
type of training and all of a sudden they're going to teach you in an hour and 15 minutes how to defend yourself from an attacker and um, spoiler alert and I've been training for a long time there's no easy you'd be lucky to learn how to fall in an hour <laughs> yeah I did judo for a long time and it probably took me a year or maybe longer you could probably make the argument that I still don't know how to fall right but it's not something you pick up quick you have to drill it you have to work at it consistently mm -hmm. so. so i'll give you an intro on it i'm sure we'll get to dive into it deeper but give me tell me about stacking stacking moves you've been sure. doing i let you i let you run the show on the back if you guys uh who are listening don't realize i'm a pretty hey i'll show you the direction and i want you to explore it and then tell me what you come back with that's kind of my sure. leadership style with most things pertaining to jujitsu and uh so for you i always know that there's crazy stuff going on in the back every once in a while i'll peek my head back there and you guys will be you know you'll have all the white belts walking across glass or something like that sure, right. so i'm just curious tell me about you've been bragging about move stacking let me hear about it sure so when i refer to stacking i mean like building a group of moves together starting out you know you don't do the um the line drills so we're gonna start out with a um a simple move that everybody can do a lot of times in martial arts it takes a while for people just to learn how to the difference between the right and left hand sides <laughs> yeah right? so these are beginners they need to learn that so they need to get comfortable with like okay let's just put our foot here now Okay, we've done this, we've wrapped it out. Okay, now we're going to put our foot here and we're going to, and we're going to maybe angle ourselves off to the side a little bit here. So now we're, we're doing two things. And that's like, okay, great. Now we're going, to, we're going to put our foot there, we're going to angle ourselves to the side, and we're going to put our hand in the collar. So now we've got three moves we're stacking together. And you know, a lot of times people refer to jujitsu as like a puzzle, like putting uh -huh. things together, or like a series of moves. I want to build at the end of the class a set of moves to where they can go from start to finish and stack up. And now when they leave, they've got um, a move that they can do start to finish. And I've seen them go out the live sparring after and and apply it, which and, is really in, cool. In context, too, our live sparring is done in a group. Sure. And so the beginners don't aren't just doing this with each other. They go from that to some of the positional sparring that we're doing in the main group, too. Sure. So a lot of times they're training with people that, are, that have been training a little longer than them too. And I think that that actually, this is, this is random and more discussion between you and I, could be wrong about this, but I almost feel like that adds a different dynamic because you have a group of 10 in the back that were taught something and it's pertaining to guard retention or something like that, but then you have a group in the main room that were also taught guard retention, but by a different person. And you and I usually are just pretty broad about our topic. Josh, what are you showing? Oh, I'm going to show guard retention and then tying people up into certain guards. And then you'll be like, oh, cool. I'm going to show some sweeps from a few different guards. And then when we come back together, we may have worked something similar or something completely different. And then getting to see how the room handles that. Because sometimes when the 20 people in room A all learned the same thing it's hard to hit that thing because it's fresh on everybody's sure. mind but when the people in room b come with something different and vice versa room a gets to attack what they learned and so i really do think that that has been helpful and at least for me who likes to uh 
bet on the sparring uh, each night when I'm not training in it. Um, sparring's been more enjoyable. Sure. I do like the fact that the um, fundamental group, it gets to be separated. And mm -hmm. the fact that it takes a while to build up the moves. And when you teach a curriculum where you're just going to be like, okay, we're going to do one move all month, one position, it could be a year before somebody <laughs> even comes around to get the second chance at, you know. Uh-huh. And here they are, day one, they learned how to uh, do one thing, and someone's barren bowling <laughs> yeah. out in the live sparring. So they, they need to have that introductory course like you've got started here to give them the basics and then also to like build up some moves to have something that they can do, kind of develop their game. I'm I'm wondering though, just in your curriculum, like I said, I'm pretty hands off. I let you do things however you want. But at what point are you going to tell these guys that they need to be on steroids? <laughs> you know what? I have a friend that's in the military that just went on TRT. He doesn't have the, the greatest of health. He's been, uh, and I don't think it works because it doesn't seem like he's gotten in any better shape. <laughs> he just had like a panic attack the other day. And I don't know, I don't know. I think he might just be weak in the mind. I don't know that he needs to, to be on this. Maybe he would uh, toughen up a little bit. He could. <laughs> I, I could. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe that's what you'll let those guys know of. Like, hey, this stuff doesn't even work, man. That's right. You know? <laughs> so, uh, Rob, uh, before we, I'm actually, I've been thinking about it. I am going to give you, and I should have probably told you this. I'm going to give you two finishing questions Ooh. because you have been a fan of the show since day one. In the That's first right. hundred episodes, we had a different finishing question. And so I thought that I would give you that one to start, which is, let's say somebody hears this podcast. They love Bionic Rob. They're like, I got to hear more about what this guy's got to say. They bring you in for a seminar. Somebody in the seminar during question and answer, they raise their hand. And they're like, Rob, I suck at jujitsu. How do I suck less at jujitsu? You're gonna have to take a step back to make the commitment to themselves. You know, we're gonna need to determine: is it a technique that you suck at? Do you feel like you just don't have the flexibility? Is your conditioning not there? Make the commitment to yourself to take carve out time every day, every week to work it out. You know, coming up. I was horrible at stand-up. I started taking judo. You don't learn judo quick. You have to, it's a, it's a long-term practice, and you just have to make a commitment to yourself that you're going to work at it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing happens quick in jiu-jitsu. You just have to make the effort to make sure that every day you're moving closer to it and hold yourself accountable. That's really, I think, the difference that makes you get to black belt is you have to hold yourself accountable for a long time that you're going to be consistent to the training, you're going to keep yourself right, take care of yourself, and keep plugging away. Man, that's true. That is, to me, that is the most important thing. I always tell people, like, your first six months, work on consistency. You know, work on just being there. Because if you don't, it doesn't matter what else you planned on if you're not consistent you're not going to get there and yeah i see that so much we both see that so much it's fun that i'm getting to talk to to the guy that helps run the beginners with me you know we get to see that uh the people that come in gung-ho and say that they're beating gordon ryan you know or they're going to fight gordon ryan on their first day 
And I'm like, okay, man, like that sounds good. We'll, we'll never see you sure. again. And those are the ones that you never see again, you know, but the people who just come in and like, I don't know what I'm looking for. I just want to make sure I can come back tomorrow. The people that come in with that attitude tend to be the ones that eventually get their black belts. That's got to be a high priority for everybody, making sure that you come back the next day. Mm -hmm. And there's so much context to that, too. For you, come back the next day might be, I need to listen to my body when when I'm training. For other people, it might just be, I just need to get off the couch and come back the next day. And I think it's different for each person, but I do think that the best general answer to uh, that we got in those hundred episodes is what you gave is make sure that you're going to be there. Make sure that you're going to work through this. This isn't something that I can give you a one-off answer to and you know, it's going to be done. This is going to be really hard. It's going to take a really long time. You're going to have to be dedicated. And yeah, I totally agree with that. So then second finishing question, let's, Let's go into what is some of or the best jujitsu advice that you've ever gotten. And you've been on the mats for a a long long time, time. and you're the type of guy, you're similar to me. You've done a thousand seminars, a ton of private lessons, learned from so many different people. So you've had to have heard so many different things. I'm sure there's a lot to choose from. What is, Uh, what do you got? The best one is when you travel. Pack your gi first and go out and seek out some training wherever you're going. Be sure to call them first. You did an episode about training at other places mm-hmm. last summer. Be sure to call them first or send them a note. Find out you know when their classes are going to be. If you really want to go to the class that's taught by the instructor, you need to make sure that they're going to be there. That's happened to me before where I go there and find out like the secretary teaches the class. And, you know, <laughs> They aren't very good, and it's really just an open mat. Um, so you want to you want to search that out, find out if they have any um, specifics for the class. Like some gyms have Waikiki only, or maybe they don't care at that gym, or you need to be there um, for a block of time because they have something special that goes on during that time where you know you just can't come and, and go like in, in other gyms. The other thing is you need to I believe you need to work both sides. You only have to be a little bit better at the move to the opposite side than your opponent is at defending it to beat him at it. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Man, both of those are are great. Let's dig into the travel one first. Um, do you have any examples of cool moments that you've had because you brought your gi? Because you, oh sure. So my uh, wife's family is from New Jersey, and that was. Aside from like San Diego, that's kind of like the mecca of jiu-jitsu in America. Tons of gyms. They're probably 10 or 15 years ahead of the Midwest. You know, they already have you know, schools on every corner, kind of like you see out in California. So I've got a chance to go to some amazing gyms out there. Um, I call it my 1,000-mile move that I got from Jason Scully. Everybody's <laughs> seen his videos, uh-huh. you know, like 50 escapes in two minutes. And um, I got the chance to train with him a couple times out of his gym. He's got cool gym it's on the second floor of a old fire house so it's like all wooden upstairs and uh, he had a day class that i got to go to train it's a lot of fun he showed some cool stuff every time i've gone and one of his students runs the gym now all right so, and so he gave you a secret a oh super yeah he secret. gave me some cool moves to do there the thousand mile pass 
right. that I that I use a lot. All right, you'll have to show me. I don't know if you've ever have you ever shown me the thousand. I probably hit it on you. You know. Okay, <laughs> okay, I could see that. Uh, you always have uh, something different. You know, probably one out of every ten things that I do in my jujitsu anymore. They're like, oh yeah, Rob. Rob came in one day with the energy, telling me, "This is Josh. How have you not had this technique in your jujitsu?" And then he shows me it, and I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know how I haven't had it. I got to start doing it." And then that night, I'm working it. You know, jujitsu's changed so much within the last couple of years. You know, Gordon has his mount video mm-hmm. changes mount. For oh my everybody. gosh, yeah. And then, then you blink. Mikey has some amazing footlock that he's just destroying everybody with, and. You know, Chris Payne's coming in, defending everything, and now no one's going to get submitted anymore. It's like, really, what's next for jiu-jitsu, right? It's just going to be keeping evolving. That's, dude, that's true. And that's like, that's the fun part about jiu-jitsu. And that's why I like to run the gym the way it's run, is so many people are always trying to bring stuff back. You know what I mean? There's, and it's because it's not a big deal if you go out, if you leave and you go train somewhere, you know, if you go train with other people, because we all benefit from it when you do that. You know, it's not, no one's mad at you for watching YouTube and Instagram videos because you we filter these all out together and then we find the ones that actually do matter and actually do work. Yeah, so just to take a 180 on that, when I came up, it was like, yeah. You know, the instructor's like, I don't want you guys watching the flying arm bars and triangles and coming to me and be like, yo, I saw this blue belt do this on YouTube. You know, he did not, he did not want to do that. But now there's some, I remember actually I was at uh, Jason's gym in New Jersey. And before I got the, when I got the class, before it started, they were all watching on like, this is before it was all downloaded. They were watching on little mini DVD players, Keenan's <laughs> uh-huh. instructional, trying to break it down. It's just like changing so quick. Jiu-jitsu is it, dude, amazing. It really is. It's been fun. It's been fun to watch. Um, do you have any thoughts of, to what jujitsu will be for you in the future? That is a good question. I think I really enjoy coaching, bringing people up. Um, think is going to be something that's going to give me a lot of rewards for that um, I do feel like I still have a lot to learn mm-hmm. in jiu-jitsu um, I think it'd be um, important for me to just keep plugging away training hard yeah man that's a good that is a that's a very good jiu-jitsu goal um, Rob is there anything that you want to say to finish uh, thanks for having me on I've been a fan since one of the first episodes I listen every every week so i don't am i the first fan that's got a chance to come on dude Maybe. you might be the first fan. Might be a fan. you might be fan. the only fan you know like um uh, i'm trying to think anybody there have been a few guys that have referenced the podcast like and referenced oh you talked about this on different episodes that made me go oh this guy listens but I don't think many people, I don't, I know no one has had as many conversations about the show as me, it, you know, as you uh, that has come on the show or any, anything like that. Nice. If, um, let's just say, and I just wanted people, the listeners to experience this with me because our gym gets to experience this all the time. Okay. Let's say the scenario is this, Robin, let's say I'm giving you like a minute to kind of give me your thoughts on it. But you see, you see, let's not even say a white belt. You see me on the mat doing something wrong. And you're like, oh, this isn't working. This is, well, Josh was going for something stupid. And you start to approach, you know, maybe let's say this. I'm going for head and arm choke defense, and I'm not doing the, the bionic Rob special. And I don't even know 
about the Bionic Rob special, and you see me get submitted. Worst case scenario, freaking Bryce submits Ooh. me with the head and arm choke. Tell me what the next verbalizations are going to be from Rob. Tell me what Rob's going to say to me, how he's going to coach me in this situation. First of all, there's a phenomenon now where you better be careful that that's not going to be a highlight reel on the Instagram. That's very true. Gonna, You're very right. It's going to live forever. But, oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to bring you aside immediately and make the corrections and, right and away. You're going to tell me... Josh, what are you going to tell me? You're going to you're going to get on me, Rob. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Josh, we're never going to get submitted with this again. Get down here. We're going to get this straightened out right now. You know, this doesn't exist in your world anymore. We're going to defend this and no one's no one's getting this. No again. one's getting it ever again. You're going to tell me you've got the super oh, secret. Oh yeah. You got this. I got this. <laughs> Super secret firepower technique. I got that from Den Dustin Dennis. Yeah. He always brought everything was uh, the most excitement ever. He would sell it. I loved it. I always joke with the guys that like, it's just you hit me with uh, like the YouTube title and thumbnail. You know, that's which gets me to click on the video. You know, it doesn't matter how great the video is. If the thumbnail sucks and the title sucks, most likely I don't click on the video. But you come in with this passion for any new sure. technique or any new thing because you're excited to try to help me out. And you're like, Josh, we got to do this. Let's get this fixed. I've got the technique of the day for you. Josh, you're going to, you tell me all the time, you're going to want to have somebody teach your class in the front room so you can oh, come absolutely. in the back and learn what I have to show, <laughs> you know? And uh, to me, that's such an exciting thing. Do you have any, this is kind of, I guess this will be our official last question. But there's really no difference really between, uh, I hate this. I'm not to put the beginner's class down. I think it's called the fundamentals class. Fundamentals And there's class. a lot of people that are in the big room that should be in of course. from time to time. They really overlap. I mean, of course. the stuff that's being taught in both rooms is applicable to everyone. Mm -hmm. So, like, it should be, uh, hopefully, everyone feels comfortable to come and go and try out both. Like, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like, if I were just a student and I see that uh, Eric is going to be teaching blast doubles, I'd be like, hmm. Maybe I'll go check out, go check out the other other uh -huh. room today and see what's what's going on over there. Uh huh. That's it's really fun to have that option for people. Um, but if anybody wanted to follow your journey, what would be sure? The I way have to do uh, it? Instagram Bionic underscore BJJ. You can follow me there. I try to post something uh, motivational when the when the mood strikes me. So my flat lays have gotten a lot better now that I have a black belt. Right before my. Uh, very beige, uh, tan belt. Mm -hmm. uh, not so cool, but now that I have the the fresh black belt, it looks a lot lot better. The black and red just looks cool, looks man. Good. It does. It just does. You know, anything, everything goes with black. Your black belt now. That's right. I have to get my ninja suit ready to go. So, <laughs> all right, Rob. Thank you so much. Yeah, for, hey, for being on the show. Congratulations, man. you and your wife. Going to be parents. Uh, you're going to need advice coming up. You got any, I, any quick tips for me? Absolutely. What do you got? Let me hear. Well, it. someday the child is going to be sick, and it's going to be at an inopportune time. Okay. You need to give Emily carte blanche whenever she feels something's not right with the baby, especially when they're little, to go to the pediatrician immediately. Copays are cheap. You do not want to be at the ER or the urgent care. Okay. <laughs> After eight, you want to be at home sleeping or teaching class or uh, caring about your day. You don't want to be in the ER. So just take the baby. If you think like, oh, it's sniffles or maybe it's a little something wrong, just immediately go to the pediatrician. Don't okay. wait around. 
because the only thing worse than a sick child, in my case, is a nervous mother. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good that's a good piece of advice, Rob. Sure. I appreciate that. And then for you too, being I'm sure you're gonna want your child to come up in jujitsu, and there's it's a long journey. I think you'll have the attitude that you're gonna do all the other things, try it out. Jujitsu is just gonna be a non-negotiable. You can take it or leave it at times. You, we can throttle back or go forward more with it um, at certain times. Like that maybe they're super into a particular sport that's in the season, so they're gonna you're gonna back off and maybe not do any jujitsu during the during the winter because they're in basketball or you have a daughter that's in dance that takes place in the summer. Uh, you'd think uh, that it would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I man, you you know, Josh should probably do you some good to go to some dance recitals or to some uh, well, ballet classes. When I was uh, when Emily and I first were together, we were in high school and she was on the dance team or she was on a dance team. She wasn't like a high school one. And so I would go to some dance okay. competitions and go to some sure. recitals. And so I paid some dues. Okay. I'm sure not Bionic Rob level dudes. Uh, yeah, I have a daughter that's 14, so I've been to my fair share of that stuff. Gymnastics is the new one now. So Man. Well, yeah, and when I get there, there's going to be, and I have the rest of the, the Head Not HQ crew with me, sure. there are probably going to be some fist fights at oh, these. in the parking lot yeah, at the end of at, the... Yeah, at these dance competitions, <laughs> man. So that might not be good. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just take it when it comes, man. Sure. All right, Rob, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I can't wait to come back again. I can't wait to have you on again, man. And that is the episode. Thank you to Rob for being on the show. Uh, I think that Rob has even more to offer than this episode is. Not that I didn't think this episode was amazing. It was so much fun for me to actually hear stories from Rob and hear kind of his intro into jujitsu because even though he's one of my students he didn't start with me so I didn't know this stuff so that was really really cool to uh to, to get to experience but the thing about Rob is he's really more fun as a coach and so I'm going to kind of bring coach Rob on this kind of was like black belt Rob that endured and in and, and persevered and made it to black belt um, but I think you guys will like coach Rob even more and so next time I'll make sure to have coach Rob he'll be telling me what to do he'll be yelling at me about stuff here's a perfect example of my relationship with Rob okay so I told you guys I got a concussion um, I struggled uh, like all day, this was on a Saturday at the Atlanta Open, and I kind of struggled all day, but I was I was fine. It wasn't a big deal. Um, wake up the next morning, and you know, just typical post tournament, it's really hard to sleep. And then the fact that you have a an eight hour drive home, eight and a half hour drive home um, the next day, and I, we had to be up ready to coach one of my students the next morning, and so didn't get a lot of sleep. Um, probably like three or four hours of sleep. And then I go in and coach this match. And um, my student, Emily, she's been one of my longest students, uh, uh, ended up getting gold. She ended up honestly dominating her division. She submitted both of her girls. Um, but there was this point where she gets a girl in front headlock. And because I know Emily's game, I was like yelling Dars, I think. And uh, instead of chase the back, it was early in the match. And usually we would yell to chase the back in that situation. Well, Coach Rob's rewatching the matches. And of course, he's not just critiquing what Emily's doing. He's also critiquing what I'm saying as a coach, okay? So I get a text message this morning before I record this, and it was like, 
hey, just so you know, you told Emily to go for a Darce when Richie said she should go for the back. And he was right. You, he, she should have went for the back because it's IBJJF. We got to score early. That's what you always say. And I'm like, Rob, I have brain damage. I was coaching the match with brain damage. And you're texting me today about how I coached it wrong. That is my relationship with Rob. That that right there, that one story, that's how it is with Rob. I don't get to make excuses. Hey, Josh, not my fault you had a brain injury. You got to tough through that. It's your job to coach. You could have cost her the match. You know, Rob, not forgiving. So uh, like I said, I'll be sure to get Coach Rob on for you guys sometime. And he can yell at me. We'll have Bryce behind the booth. He'll yell at Bryce. It'll be great. You guys will really like that episode. Um, but once again, thank you for to Rob for being on the show. Uh, really, really enjoyed having him and look forward to having him again. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope that you guys are enjoying the show. You know, we've really been working hard to make it better and then work it hard to working hard to make it the best jujitsu podcast that it can be and um you know we're i think we're on the right track and we're, we're working hard so i hope you guys are enjoying the show uh don't be afraid to drop us any positive notes about anything you've been liking lately uh you can always send me an email josh at simplifying jujitsu.com and was there anything else? Sorry, brain damage. Uh, I hope today's episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day, guys.